0: Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 54.
1: It's like if you just toil long enough and figure out how to make the sale, where to run the ads, what to say, what to not say, you make that first sale, you have the validation, and then you can actually replicate whatever worked the first time.
2: Welcome to a real world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business.
0: How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I'm your co host for the Bigger Pockets Business podcast. And across the screen from me is my lovely wife and co host, Mrs. Carol Scott. How's it going, Carol?
3: Hey there. Doing, I think, remarkably well considering the circumstances, right? We've all been in lockdown for lots of weeks now. We're anxious to get things a little back on track, but of course, wanting to be cautious about it. And I think it's interesting that my business, like a lot of other people's businesses, is naturally going to change and evolve a whole heck of a lot based on what's happened over these past several weeks. And interestingly, I've been, I've, I've halted a lot of, Our operations, but I've used this time to do as much as I possibly can, learning from a lot of our guests along the way. P.S. So thank you for all the ideas and tips and expertise, but really planning ahead and working on some things to move our business forward after this is all over. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm really, really excited for the guests we have today, because a lot of what they've done with their business model is the same thing that I've been working on for our business. So it's good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we have a great show today. We have two guys. We have Brennan Tolman and Nick Crone, And we actually interviewed them. This interview uh, that you're about to listen to was from pre-pandemic, another one that we shot just before the pandemic started, and we've held on to because we've had a, a lot of more topical and timely issues to broadcast the last few weeks. But this was a great episode. Brennan and Nick started a basically just a wedding photography business back in, I think it was like 2013. And they grew that business. Brennan grew his his wedding photography business pretty quickly and and pretty well. But they weren't happy with just growing their business and getting more wedding photography business. They wanted to do something different. They wanted to, to scale even more. So ultimately, that business evolved into essentially an online wedding photography marketplace where they helped other wedding photographers get business and scale their businesses as well. But then even that wasn't enough for them. They wanted to scale even more and they wanted to grow even bigger. So they fell into licensing. And on this episode, they tell us all about what licensing their business entails and how they did that. Long story short, over the past couple of years, they have grown their business to a multi-million dollar licensing business. They have people licensing their business model and their name all around the country and now all around the world. This is a awesome episode for anybody that's looking to grow or expand their business in ways other than their business was originally intended for. Between the online marketplace, between the licensing, Basically, they have a business that it's still essentially their core business of wedding photography marketplace, but it's become so much more and they're just killing it. So fantastic episode today. Before we jump in, for anybody that wants to learn more about Brennan and Nick's business, if you want to learn more about the things we discuss in this episode, check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash BizShow54. Again, that's BiggerPockets.com slash BizShow54. Now, before we jump in, let's hear a quick word from our awesome sponsors. Is there anything more frustrating than knowing you have to call a business to get answers to your question, but also knowing that you'll probably spend more time on hold than you will actually getting your issue resolved? Your customers simply don't have patience for that anymore, which is why Podium is the perfect messaging tool for your business. Podium allows customers to text your business and brings all communication into one streamlined inbox. Facebook messages, payment requests, feedback surveys, online reviews, Podium pulls them all together in one place. Staying in close touch with your customers will not only help keep them happy, but it'll help you retain them. Plus, Podium's shared inbox allows your whole team to stay on the same page when it comes to your customers. Look, 90% 90% of customers prefer to text a business, but only half of businesses have that capability. yours? Join the 45,000 businesses that rely on Podium to communicate with their customers today. Go to Podium.com BPB, like Pockets Business, to get started and save 10% off your monthly subscription. Texting isn't just the better way to get more reviews, it's the better way to do business. Again, that's 10% off using Podium.com BPB. I want to take a minute to tell you about our sponsor Pat live. Did you know that 76% of customers hang up if they don't reach a live person and 85% of customers won't call back after an unanswered call. If you're a real estate investor or if you're in any kind of service business, your livelihood depends on being able to answer every call that comes in. Pat live offers 24/7 live answering services. So you can spend less time following up and more time growing your business and unlike many other live answering services, they're open 365 days per year. Their friendly and professional agents are all located in the U.S. and provide all the benefits of a personal receptionist at a fraction of the cost. They offer fully customizable scripts and they can collect leads, schedule appointments, and process orders. With PatLive's virtual receptionists, you can turn more callers into customers. And now, for a limited time only, Pat Live is offering Bigger Pockets business listeners 15% off their regular rates. This offer is only available over the phone, so give them a call now at 866 712 1879 and mention this podcast or visit patlive.com. Make every call count with Pat Live. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week. Okay, now without any further ado, let's jump into our discussion with Brennan Tolman and Nick Crone.
3: Brennan, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so looking forward to chatting with you.
0: Absolutely. We're excited to be here. I'm pumped. Hey, guys. So great to have you on. Okay. So... Our audience, I think, knows what to look for in this because I've I've talked to you guys up in the intro. But I want to hear before we jump into the the business that you guys are building and growing. I want to hear a little bit more of, of your backstory. So, what got you to the point that you got into this business and and you started this business together? How'd you meet each other? What are your What are your individual backstories as well?
1: <laughs> okay, go for it, dude. Okay, um, so it's actually a great story. That's why we're laughing. So. I, um, I'm a videographer by, by trade, you know, I've done that forever when I was like six, you know, I was running around with the cameras and all, and all that stuff. And so I kind of like when I was, I was in high school, when the transition from tape to digital happened, if you guys remember that. So that was like a big deal because suddenly cameras weren't like 500 grand anymore. You could get one at Costco. And so that was kind of like my perfect timing, you know, outliers opportunity right there. So I started shooting weddings myself, People were asking me to shoot.
0: And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you really quick for a second. For a, anybody, most of our listeners are audio. They don't have the video, so they don't see who's speaking. Uh, but that is Brennan that's speaking right now. Correct. So, so we have got Brennan and Nick, but that is Brennan that's speaking now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, so yeah cool. so, sorry. So yeah. So me, Brennan, I, uh, I'm a videographer. I kind of come from that background. Uh, people would ask me, hey, can you shoot my wedding? And I was like, I don't even know what a wedding video is. I've never heard of that before because it kind of wasn't a thing, you know, besides the two-hour VHS back in the nineties or whatever. So, so I was kind of the part of that brand new posting on YouTube, wedding video phase, kind of a thing. Got my start upon requests. And then eventually started this company because my wife learned how to do photography and people wanted a bundle deal. They just said, we don't want to pay for two, two different people, two different terms, you know, two different contracts. We just want a bundle deal. We want a good price. So we started going out together and shooting together, and I kind of saw like, hey, that's that's a need, right? People don't want to hire two separate people who don't know each other and can't work well together. So that was kind of
2: like the the initial where this all started, and that's kind of my background. Yep, you know, I've been a digital marketer for pushing 11 years now, and you know, in the last few years, you know, I spent tens of millions of dollars in Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and that's kind of been my background. I've always been entrepreneurial, you know, selling everything under the sun. To uh, in a consulting manner, and I kind of jumped into entrepreneurship uh, right after dropping out of college. Honestly, so
1: and and so the way that we met the the kind of short version is I went back when I was in college. I was in an entrepreneurship class, and one of our assignments they said go online to the local classifieds listing and find a business for sale. Call them and interview them. So okay, so I call, and he's like digital marketing business for sale, and I'm super interested in Facebook and all stuff. So I give him a call, and he's like you know, I don't really want to sell the business, but I could, I could train you how to do it for 2,500 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I did not have 2,500 Creative $2.
2: marketing. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, so I'm like, oh, how am I gonna get 2,500 bucks? I had this job where I was like running a Facebook page on campus. And so I'm like, all right, let's see what I can do. So I, I walk into my boss, I sit down, I'm like, hey, there's this opportunity, there's this guy. For 2,500 bucks, <laughs> this this guy, if, if you guys can pay for it, I will be such a good marketer. And I'll be able to do this and this and this. And and to their unlimited credit, they said, okay, it's just about the same cost as sending you to some kind of a seminar. So they wrote me a check. I meet this guy at like Neater's. My wife comes along because we totally thinks it's a scam and we're gonna get murdered. <laughs> and um, you know, I hand him the check from the university. And then that's literally the university paid for us to like, meet. You got, you
2: got the cause to pay me. Like, <laughs> that, that takes
1: you guys. <laughs> yeah, so that's how we met. And then we just, he mentored me for a while. And then we eventually became friends. And he gave me a call like last year, early last year, about this time and said, Hey man, what you're doing is cool. And I think that I want in. I think that I could bring some serious value,
2: which he absolutely has.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So first tip for everybody out there that's listening, if you're looking <laughs> oh to sell mentorship or training or, or courses-
2: <laughs> Get grungy,
0: baby. Yeah. Just, just put your business for sale. And when people call you, say, I'm not selling <laughs> yeah. my business, but that's, I'll, nice. I'll, I'll trade. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> do Yeah, hey, a situation there.
2: It's been profitable ever since, hasn't it? Absolutely. It
0: That's awesome. So take us through kind of like how the business started. It sounds like Brennan, you you started the business, but when Nick, when you came into the business, how did you guys like work together? What was your your roles and responsibilities? How did you divvy up the work and how did the business grow from there?
2: Totally. So yeah, tell
1: tell them about the first few years. Right? They were awful. It was terrible. It was yeah. it was it was like, you know, you know, hindsight bias, whenever you look back, you're like you know, and, and and I tell the story. It's like, oh, what a genius! <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, it, it was a rough, rough ride. It was. And what you know, year? The, the, what
0: year was this? that you guys finally met? We, we well, we met in like 2016, but okay. he came yeah.
1: on in 2019. 19, 2019. Okay, so this was so, this was just year. years. I, and I, yeah,
2: he observed and for a while, and I did watch for several years, and I and I watched the ups and I watched the downs and the roller coaster, and I I can totally sympathize because I've been there.
1: Yeah. So essentially, like I mentioned, um, my wife and I started shooting the double package. People started calling us. So I said, Hey, I know. And and then somebody tried to book us for like my birthday. And I was like, I don't want to go shoot a wedding on my birthday, but I don't want to lose this money. You know? Yeah. So, so I said, well, can I subcontract it? So I, I hired a photographer and a videographer, trained them on how I would do it. And then they went out and shot and I was like, Hey, that worked pretty well. And we were literally meeting, by the way, as our little team meetings in my parents' basement with Little Caesars Pizza. Like that was the start of Toma Media, right? Like we were like, how do we shoot weddings better, you know? And then like, like all, I guess, businesses start their mom's basement or whatever. So, and then eventually I said, there's something here. So I started hiring more, more videographers, more photographers, teams and teams and teams and got to the point where now we had 20 teams. So I could just book any date ever and provide an awesome value to the brides. But with that came all sorts of nightmares. They started, contractors started overbilling me. I was paying like on Facebook Messenger. You, know, you can like send the money, which you're not supposed to do for business. So now I'm like permanently for life banned from sending money on Facebook. And then I tried Venmo, same thing. I had no idea how to pay people. I didn't know payroll solutions. I didn't know anything. I was just like, I learned how to make some money. I learned how to provide value and flying by the seat of my pants, patching the holes of the ship, while trying to, you know, sail along the sea. So it was, it was kind of hard. I would always, we, we would get together maybe once every six months and yeah. I would just vent. I'd be like, Nick, I'm dying. I'm like, you got to do this, this, and this. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Well, well, and I was paying contractors too much. That was the biggest thing is it wasn't even super profitable because they were
2: like, we're the same age as you, dude. We're in college too, dude. Like, I think I, think I beat you up for years. Just about that. Fact. Absolutely. I was like, dude, you, these kids are making 125, 150 bucks an hour. And like, like, it's just incredible. Do you know what I mean? And he kept saying, you got to pay them less. You got to find
1: a way where we can, not pay them less, but find a way where you can actually be profitable so that they can continue to get jobs, which, you know, because if we go under, then adios to their jobs. So okay. when when he kind of came on... It was initially to, to help us build a software, which has been a game changer called Dragon Sumo. That's what I, I bought the URL in high school. Um, but <laughs> but so, so... This is going to be the coolest software ever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, literally the logo is a little fat sumo holding the dragon, but it paid like 50 bucks for it. But what it is, is it allows the... Instead of us just like assigning a contract or a wedding and having to text 20 different people saying, are you available? Are you available? Are you available on June 10th? Right? And getting a bunch of yeses and nos. That was a nightmare it's a software where as soon as my salesperson books a package, they're all, you know, all my photographers, videographers, they're all approved. They're all awesome. They've been through our rigorous training. She shoots out a notification via an app that they get saying, ding, ding, July 10th, wedding. Here's the date. Here's the venue. Here's the bid range. And so I'm going to get, I'm going to tell you the maximum that I'm you know, willing to give you for the job and you can bid lower if you'd like. And so Nick was the one that actually built this. So now photographers can say, Oh, the, the max bid is $350. i will do it for 300 because that's a Tuesday and I'm not going to book that on my own. And so Nick was the key in you know, wireframing, implementing that software, building it, beta testing it amongst contractors. And so it's number one, saved a huge scheduling hassle. And number two, saved some money. Um, and number three, he, he built this cool algorithm where each of the contractors have a quality score. And so it's not just the lowest bid that gets the job. It's the lowest bid that also has the highest quality score based on the algorithm. So he was key in getting all of that built and moving the company towards having some proprietary
2: software. And, and just, just to note, you know, I've all, I love the model that Brendan was doing this whole time. You run advertising, you book people, and then you outsource everything. And, you know, watching him, I was like, wow, th- like, this is incredible. I don't know if you actually know, how good this actually is. I didn't. And then, you know, I, I came in and said, hey, I'm interested in, in, in the business, mostly primarily because the model was incredible and in how many weddings he was booking. And two, you know, I could provide value in the form of uh, the software and the competitor, like the competitive nature between all the contractors just drove the price down significantly on what they opt in to pay. And it, it honestly, that helped the margins dramatically. And so that's when I got involved about a year ago.
3: Very, very cool. So, thank you for sharing that. I want to unpack so many different pieces sure. of this. So, just to recap, back in the early days, sounds like it was around 2016 ish, you yeah. and your wife were tag teaming a photography and videography package, if you will. Totally. Your birthday rolls around, you get a request on your birthday, you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I am not shooting and working on my birthday, not happening. Absolutely. So, out of necessity you chose to hire a contractor to do that for you and then you realized that there was value in that so i think there's a really great tip for our listeners right once you start realizing that you are you can teach somebody else to do what you're doing, though that really launches kind of the first step in you growing a business, in you growing a company, in you realizing that you can implement training systems and processes to get other people to do the totally. job that you are previously doing, and, right? And it's terrifying.
1: You know, Take, it's terrifying to do that. let go control. Because, Lingo because you are the brand, you know, of, of, of your company, whatever it is, it's you, you know, for the first while. And so it's so scary to like, I mean, I never built a training before. It's scary to do that. It's scary to let go. You you will get customers that are like, where's Brennan? You're not, Brennan. Why aren't you
0: here? But that's the shift. You're going from an employee having a job where you go to work every Saturday night or Friday night or Tuesday night or whenever you get a client to suddenly you're no longer just an employee that has a job. You're now a business owner that is, quote unquote, employing dozens or hundreds of other people that... They're contractors, they're not employees, but they are doing the work for you. They're generating the income for you. You're passing payment on to them. You've gone again from being an employee to a business owner here.
1: Totally. The we'll switch, baby. And, and and that's kind of what he kept saying. He's like, dude, stop filming weddings. You know, like, like you got to stop filming it. weddings. Yeah, rip the band aid off, you know? And, well, and, and it's a shift because, you know, if you've read like the e myth revisit, right, you got your technician, yep. you got your manager, and you have your owner. And I started as a technician and most people who have any degree of service business, whether it's concrete or, you know, whatever it's, you're, you're going to start as the technician. And so you have to grow. And so for me, my secret secret was, you know, you know, fetal position every night until it was better, you know, just be like, <laughs> Oh man, like this is so hard. But then I went, I went to a bookstore. I'd grab 10 business or self-help books off the shelf. I'd sit down, and I would just skim and I would to bring a notebook and I would just skim through, write down these principles, get the brain moving. Um, and then I would usually buy the two that I most resonated with, go home, read them, learn, implement immediately. That was like, that was what I did to like stay alive. It was the continuous education of myself. Um, something that, you know, no offense to college, but it didn't teach me. The schooling system did not teach me. It was, you know, school hard knocks and re- just pulling out those books, learning, you know learning from the from from the masters and and things about finance and accounting and all that stuff that's that's what it was for me.
2: If I can just chime in here, one thing that school didn't teach him as well was how to manage the funds of the business, which is kind of like yeah. you know the next the next part of the story, right? So I got involved in the business and we started meeting and we got you know there's a team of us all get getting together and I got super frustrated about six months into this. I'm like guys, and and I mean I'm in it for you know investing for equity and I'm all in it. I'm, I'm working for my piece of the business, not getting paid. And we had no money, no, ever at the end of the day. And, you know, we're talking like $40,000 a month, $100,000 a month, $60,000 a month. And we still no money. We're like, oh my gosh, what is, what is wrong with the core of the business? And, and we, that's when we kind of pivoted into the licensing piece. But honestly, it took us nine months to really just keep getting, you know, hit in the head to learn that we needed to make adjustments.
0: Very cool. Okay. So we're going to transition into the licensing piece, but it sounds like you are you guys, and just to recap a little bit, already had one transition or maybe two transitions. So, Brennan, you went from being an employee in your business to, as they say in the emyth, working in your business to working on your business. And now you're subcontracting all of this stuff out to other people. But then there's Absolutely. another big shift when Nick comes in, and that's you go from being a company that's just shooting weddings and having your your contractor shoot weddings to now you're you become a lead generation business. You're taking in leads, you're yeah. building software. You're actually also a tech business. You're, you have a piece of software that allows you to take these leads that are coming in, farm them out in some automatic fashion so that you can mm-hmm. get the best price, or I guess the lowest price for the contractor, which gives you the best price or the best uh, profit for for farming out that lead, and you're scaling your business that way. So that's great. You're basically, you have multiple businesses going here. You're making money shooting right. weddings. You're making money uh, having other people shoot weddings, and then you're making money by basically selling leads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the hardest part I would say about when Nick came in and that transition you talked about is you can't please everyone, especially in the school system. You're just taught that like whatever the evils of capitalism or whatever, whatever. And that was the hardest thing is Nick was coming in saying, dude, you have to understand if you go out of business that you have hundreds of contractors who will lose a ton of money. Like if you can't employ them, then they're, they're going to be hurt. And so if you have to like pay them a little bit less or find a way to be creative, then that's actually helping them. Although they're going to maybe hate your guts. And and I'm not going to lie. They did because we were a company that pandered to our photographers and videographers. We were like bowing to them. Like, we need you. We will we'll recruit you so heavily. And the shift was with this new software, you know, it was kind of like, it was a total change of like, they need to please us. They need to have, which is how it should be. Right. Like they need to have, good, they need to treat the brides well, or they're not going to get any jobs. And before it was like, we were all buddies, half of them were my friends. And so it was like, I'm going to give you jobs. So that was the hardest thing is we definitely lost some good contractors during that shift. They were really upset that you. I have to bid for my weddings now. I, I'm already not getting nearly as much as I should. Blah blah. And it was hard, like a personal attacks. But we were like, we have to do this. We have to make this transition for them to be able to keep their jobs. And a lot of them who actually left during that time angrily came back a few months later saying yeah we can't book weddings without you and so we we you know c- c- can we now sign up for the app because we because we get it so that's when that's you're
3: just like yeah we did it, yeah you know? totally you you proved your concept and, and were these were these all these contractors that you are you know they were contracting out to at the time were they all local
1: yeah so because we started in utah so most right. of them were like people that i personally would call on the phone and say hey I got this a business idea. Can I can I get you to, you know, shoot some weddings for me? And it was a real challenge because they were like, No, I charge twenty five hundred dollars. And I'm like, (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna pay you three hundred or four hundred, but you also don't have to do any marketing. You don't have to do any fulfillment, you don't have to do any editing, like you're literally gonna get a hundred dollars an hour to show up. And most photographers charge twenty five hundred bucks, but they only book three a year. This is a different model. A lot of them are like photographers that worked in call centers. And so they would like work on call centers. You know, because they didn't have any other money. So I was like, well, listen, take two weddings a week from me. And then you got all this free time because now you can pay all your bills. You don't have to work at a call center. You're going to make $125 an hour. And we still encourage them to book their own weddings. We don't make them sign in on compete. We hope that this is a launching pad for them to go off and become amazing. But it is hard when they're like, you're so evil, you're taking money away. And you're like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to build a business that will keep you, keep you in business. Right. And yeah they, so that, that was a rough transition. They
0: they don't realize that instead of going out and spending money on marketing themselves, they're giving you a piece of their business and you're doing the marketing for them. Basically, totally. you're consulting for them as much as they're consulting for you. You're you're oh, yeah. you're contracting to them. You're their marketer. You're their marketing arm.
3: And you're enabling these contractors to do the piece of the business that they truly want to be doing. I mean, no, these guys aren't getting into the wedding photography business or the photography business in general to be out there marketing and spending all their time writing up proposals. They want to be shooting those weddings and building up their portfolios. So you yep. are helping them. And you did. It sounds like you, you were able to shift their mindset to help them understand the value that you were able to provide to them through everything that you are offering.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the the way exactly the way that we put it is, you know, we had to sit down as a team when this app was coming out, and we said, currently we're a family, we're a family, we're a family of thirty photographers. We literally would go to get pizza together, and I said, unfortunately, that's not scalable. If we're going to go nationwide, we can't do that. And it was a painful thing for all of us to say, okay, so now we're making the shift where we're not a family, we're a tool. We're not, you know. Buddies hanging out, shooting weddings together. We, Toma Media, are a tool for them to book. We're Expedia for them. We are literally going to book for them and help them out. And that was the shift. That's that's the most simple way to put it. Is we had to make that shift in our business. We, you know, I lost friends, uh, and that was hard. You know, there was some personal sacrifices made there. But at the end of the day, it's been absolutely worth it. You know for Excellent. everybody, I think.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So we we mentioned the word licensing. So it sounds like we're getting to the next part of the story pretty soon. So take us from, now you have this marketplace, let's call it, for wedding videographers and photography. You're getting a lot of clients, customers in uh, in Utah. You've got a lot of contractors who you're farming out to who are bidding for jobs in Utah, but you guys aren't satisfied, it sounds like. What's next?
2: Yes. So I'll chime in here. So, in that nine-month learning phase, when I first got in the business, it was really challenging because, like, I mean, as you just heard Brandon say, I mean, we learned thing after thing after thing. And one of the things that we tried, we're like, well, okay, how do we expand this business? Well, we get we get into Colorado, we get into Idaho, we get into Arizona, and let's just duplicate it. Let's let's hire a team. Let's hire managers and managers on managers, and let's start running ads. and, And we have to do all sorts of new testing and so on and so forth. And it got to be a lot of busy work, and we were booking weddings. But what we learned was in Utah, you know, we could sell them this way. In in uh, Arizona, we had to we had to take a different approach sometimes. Every time, <laughs> every, every time, <laughs> you know. So it was a little bit of learning. And honestly, I mean, we we did this, and we were growing really slow. And there's nothing wrong with slow growth, but we were ready for explosive growth. And you know, at that time, you know, I had been in a different business, entering the licensing realm, and I came back and I said, Brendan. We're not making money. The model's not sustainable. The growth is too slow. It's kind of like a somewhat of an ultimatum. It's like, hey, we need to pivot or like, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want you to waste your time, but what are we going to do?
1: And, 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 and part of this too is we had, we had to make a decision. Do we want jobs? Do I want to become the CEO of a national company with 800 managers and a thousand contractors? And do I want to work 60 hours a week doing that? Or do I want to be an entrepreneur and do I want to keep my freedom? And that was the hardest thing for us yeah. to decide is, is I had to decide with licensing and we'll get into this in a minute, but like I had to let go of a lot of control in exchange for my freedom. We don't even have an office, but we're a national company. International. And international. Inter- international, international as of today company. And we wouldn't have been like, if we would have grown ourselves, and not done licensing and not brought in other entrepreneurs to to use their mindsets and their strengths you know i would be wearing a suit in an office all day long you know trying trying to run this company and and it would be really really hard and so we said can't we bring in other entrepreneurs won't it be faster and won't it be better for everyone everybody
2: wins it was it was crazy for us you know we we went through hard things and now we're going through a pivot and this is like things got even harder for a short period of time. And we're like, okay, we, we got the vision. We all love the vision. Now, how do we do it? And we're like, well, like any good entrepreneur, we're problem solvers, and we just made it up as we went. And um, we got licensing paperwork. We you know, got everything squared away with lawyer. And it took us a month to get our first sale. Yes, And I remember that, like it was, that was for us, that's slow. Like it took us a month, talking to many people, kind of refining a sales pitch. How do we generate the leads? You know, what do you say? Refining what you say, can I pass them over to him? Then I pass, and then negotiating all this stuff. And we eventually got our first sale. We sold Las Vegas. Las Vegas has 110,000 weddings a year. And the person is like kind of frothing at the mouth, so to speak, because in Utah, we built this huge business. And honestly, there's 26,000 weddings a year in Utah, but we're only targeting maybe 18,000 a year in, in terms of wedding count. So, you know, they're like, okay, I, we get that there's in Las Vegas, Try but. Through you know, there's, there's 110,000 weddings still. There's, it's the second most popular and we eventually sold it. And for us, we were just like, we were dancing. And then right after that, we were off to the races. Like we were selling two a week and just, it, it, it was just magical. I,
1: I always tell my wife, I'm like, in every business I've ever been in, whether it, it worked or not, the first sale is like near impossible. It's the hardest, man. And then once you yeah. do it, the floodgates open. You know, and it's like, if you just toil long enough and figure out how to make the sale, where to run the ads, what to say, what to not say, you make that first sale, you have the validation, and then you can actually replicate whatever worked the first time.
0: So let's dig in here a little bit. So when you say you made a sale, that you licensed the business, for anybody out there that's listening, and there are probably a lot of people out there listening because this this isn't something we we talk about a lot, but what does that look like? What does licensing mean? What are you giving to the person that's quote unquote buying that business? What are they giving back to you? What's the relationship look like? How is this different? We've talked a lot about franchising recently. How is this different than a franchise?
1: Uh, Real quick, I'll explain kind of how it works for us and like what the risks, I guess, for me, and then Nick will go on to all the beautiful nitty gritty details <laughs> um, of because he makes the deals. So, so essentially, I've heard you call it franchise light, right? So licensing, well, in, in a franchise, you contain strict control over everything. You know, you have to have X grams on the hamburger patty, or else it's bad, or whatever. Every detail is controlled, and they can lose your name if they do it wrong. But you also maintain tight control. You need a big corporate office. You need a lot of people who are constantly looking at regulations and, and compliance and blah, blah, blah. Licensing is a more bare bones version where if you have a system that works like we do, got a couple of proprietary softwares, some marketing that works, images that are known all across the nation to make brides go, hey, I want to click on that, right? They're basically paying you for the rights to a territory similar to, similar to a franchise, but you lose all that control. So it is Tolman Media. That's my last name. Like should they go mess it up, you know, should should somebody just go have a you know make Florida just like the worst Tolman media branch ever. It's going to reflect poorly on me and there's not much I can do about it. That's the risk that we take. You know, I can't go take it back from them like McDonald's could or whatever, but it enabled us to expand a lot faster and we said if we have the training in place and we have the right partners that aren't going to go do that and we vet them carefully, then I think that it's worth the, the speed and the benefits we're going to be able to get to kind of lose that control. But basically, it's the same as if you license a photo to print on your wall. You know? They're literally licensing our system, and they run with it, and they can choose to
2: use it or not. So I'll let Nick talk yeah. more about specific deals and everything that he brought to the business. So the, the actual logistics and the business itself changed, right? We went from you know, booking our own weddings and collecting majority of the profits and to us, we, we decided to give away the majority of the profits for a sliver and uh, provide, you know, the marketing, the technology and the entire system. And uh, honestly, you know, the entrepreneurs who got out of their way and just followed the system do the best. But obviously, we always preach to them. This is your business. You can do whatever you want. You can totally deviate from the plan and we're fine with it. No problem. So the way that the, the way that we technically change is, you know, now we have a 7 percent royalty. And then we have this component, right? In franchising, it's like, hey, 40 grand or you're, you're not involved, 150 grand or you're not involved. For us, we were like, okay, we can close more by, by allowing creativity and flexibility. And, and I, I love negotiating. It's like one of my favorite things to do. And so Good at it. You know, we, we negotiate, there's a down payment component, there is a financing component and, um, and, and I'll talk just real quick about the financing piece. You know, th- we're talking seller financing. This is not on their credit. We're not taking their house. If it's not working for them, they can walk away. So, you know, we're, we're not like hard business, uh, guys in that sense, you know, almost, I'd say every one of our partners is making money, which honestly, at the end of the day makes us sleep really well at night. And so, you know, I can go in and I can say, Hey, this territory's. Eighty thousand dollars, and I'm looking for a twenty thousand dollar down payment. And then they come to me and say, "Hey, I love this territory. I'm emotionally attached to this territory, but I only have ten thousand bucks." I'll say, "Great. How about we, you know, can you figure out how to do twelve thousand dollars, and and then we'll finance the remainder, and we can get as creative as we want." And what? And I'll say this one last thing because I know you're you're itching for questions here. The last thing is, in this when we started, it was, "Hey, you're you're paying us two to three thousand dollars a month." And it's just a monthly payment, and the challenge that we ran into, and we and we sold the first what ten partners that way, and the challenge with that was everything in the business is expectation. In fact, I'd, I'd argue that every business, everything comes down to expectation. And what I mean by that is, I I told them like sixteen times. You, I mean, you have to make expectations super clear that you know you may or may not be cash flow positive for the first three or four months, right? And so there was a, there was a challenge there. And then when it came monthly payment time, they'd get all worried and nervous. And is it working? And, you know, like any business, it takes a little bit of time uh, to get started. So the key shift that we made is, you know, there was one partner and I tell them in the negotiations, everything's negotiable, except for the 7% royalty. He comes to me and he's like, Nick, I don't want any risk at all. I'm willing to give you this down payment. I'm willing to pay 7% royalty. And I want to pay 14% 14% of my total sales towards my my uh, financing piece. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. I really didn't want to do the deal. We ended up striking a deal. And today it's one of our most advantageous deals. And as he books three, four, five, six thousand $6,000 a week in down payments in our system, we're getting 14%. We're like, oh my gosh, we just tripled our royalty. And now Every single one of our partners is on performance-based. They love it. And for them, it, it there's little stress, little risk. And so for us, we love the financing component. I don't think you can do that in the uh, franchising space. And my last 30 seconds is they love it because it's they're getting a rest, a pretty much a risk-free
1: business. I mean, like what other business are you gonna be able to put in five to $10,000 only plus a little bit of marketing spend for the potential of hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, worth of profit and then be able to walk away from it at any time. You get a franchise, you, you're buying the lot, you're buying the bill, you are locked into all of that. Plus you got your yearly fees and stuff. So this is like, people love that it's low risk and we're high touch. We're going to make sure that we help you. Cause if, if they're not making money, then we're doing our job wrong. And so we've worked really hard with each area to help them overcome. You know, they're doing 90% of the learning in Chicago. How, what do Chicago brides want? Right. And then we provide that 10% of our experience from the other industries. We share what other people are doing. And it's just, it's been awesome. We're just barfing all
0: this stuff at you. <laughs> this is, this is absolutely fantastic. You really outlined
3: really clearly all these amazing advantages that this model has for the licensee. Can you talk to us more about the the clear and distinct benefits is it has for you as the licensor who put together these systems, processes, this whole model for your licensees?
2: Absolutely. So, so you know, when I look at licensing versus franchising, like I, I I like to compare the two. There's nothing wrong with franchising. When I when I think about it, you know, starting a franchise, it's going to cost me hundreds with an S, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Whereas licensing, I might pay, pay a lawyer five, ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars. Just so cost, right? In terms of speed, I'm just waiting on my lawyer to to bust it up for me. It's not very hard to like build you know, the licensing paperwork and the, and the framework for the, the model. Whereas, you know, franchising, you might wait a year and you have to have benchmarks and you have all the regulations. And that's another thing is like the compliance aspect. Well, who are we complying with? Well, we, we've kind of invented this system and it's all legal and everything. And we don't have to worry about compliance at all with the government or, or any entity, or we allow a lot of flexibility and freedom for our partners which is fantastic as well. And then the looser financial structure, right? Again, we get very creative with our deals. Most of our deals are structured the same, but I always I always go to the partners and I say, hey, you know, what's important to you? Do you wanna go in with less money? Do you want, you know, smaller, you know, area paybacks? So we call them, you know, what's important to you? And they really just, we open up and it doesn't feel like a negotiation. Like they're telling me what's the most important thing to them and then we structure a deal around that. So we have all the flexibility. It's not just a hard line in the sand that, Hey, can you do it? Or can you not do it? Like this is it. You know what I mean? So we have all the flexibility in the world.
1: Yeah. yeah so, and, and just kind of with that, really the licensing piece, why it's so great for, you know, as well for us is because we know our system's going to work, you know? Yeah. And so, and so our goal like we, we actually, their percentage that they're paying back on those areas is scalable if we work super hard to make them a lot of money. And so as long, we know how to run the business. We know how to do all that. And so if you have a set monthly payment, that's it. You sell out the nation and that's all you're ever gonna get. But for us, like we can work as hard as we can to make them, they're gonna have to make like 800 grand gross before they ever even pay back, you know, a $50,000 payback. And so we are working really hard to make them money, but it also allows us to scale instead of just being locked
2: into like a monthly. And one thing that we usually tell our partners, our potential partners is, you know, at the end of the day, when we're talking to them, we get this gut check, right? And the gut check is really important. This intuition that you feel. And when we're looking at a potential partnership, because you have to look at it that way, and we tell them this, is we're looking, for, it, it's less about the money and more about the partner. If you have an entrepreneur that's a go-getter, he doesn't get in his way, he's ready, like he works fast and he's getting ready. He, He could literally, in a week, have his ads running, his website up, his first two sales happen in a week. Like that's not uncommon. And then we have the entrepreneurs who are like, okay, let me take, um, let me make the LLC. Oh, I made my LLC after three weeks, and you know, I really want to tweak this. Can we have some some photography photography for Maryland specifically before we start running ads? And now we're three months down the road, and we're like, okay. Um, And by the way. To that, you know, I'll mention in our contract, one of the things that we have in there is a minimum benchmark. The minimum benchmark used to be something like, hey, we need you to book eight weddings a month, right? We went away from that and we, and again, this is a, a perk to the licensing. It's very easy to change some of this illegal ease. We went to a monthly minimum ad spend. We know if they spend a minimum of $400 a month or roughly $15, $15 a day, that they're gonna book X number of weddings. And so we went to that model and hey, honestly, at the end of the day, if they spend 400 bucks, they're advertising, they're working the business. For us, we don't want to get locked down and be like, okay, Dallas, Texas hasn't advertised in six months. Well shoot the system's not working for them. We're not getting like, it's not working. Right. And with having that minimum in there, it, it actually helps significantly. And again, it's negotiable. All of it's negotiable. Yeah. And they make money with it. Cause when you think about it, $400
1: a month, that's the profit from one wedding. So they've sell one wedding in 30 days You know, and, and they're good. So it's not a huge risk for them to, to spend that much.
0: Yeah. And this also goes back to something Nick was saying earlier, it sets expectations. So yeah. basically they don't come in and think, oh, I didn't think I was going to have to do any marketing. Now I have all this marketing cost that I wasn't budgeting. I wasn't putting it in the p and I wasn't putting it in my, in my models. Correct. You're telling them upfront, if you want business, this is what you're going to have to do. And it, mm-hmm. it's funny. We were talking to uh, a woman on our last show who was talking about the difficulties of finding and vetting good uh, franchisees. She has she a franchise. And the problem was that people came in with the expectation that they would just come in and hire a couple people and the business would run itself and they wouldn't have to market. Mm. They wouldn't have to spend any money here. And, and it's really, it boils down to setting expectations. So I, I love that. Totally. Super important. And I'd love to dig a little bit more into the, the part of
3: finding your partners, right? It sounds like it's so critical, of course, to continue growing your brand, to maintain all these systems and processes working the way you design them and outline them to work. And for them using your software and everything, you really have to have that right partner, the right type of entrepreneur. How are you guys going about making sure that you've got the right people when you sign someone on? How can you tell?
2: What's our secret, man? What is it? Are we gonna tell them the
1: secret? (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll talk about the finding, and then they can talk about the 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 secret sauce if he wants to. But so um, for the finding, when we started, we were running ads, and we were like saying, you know, business for sale in classifieds. uh, We had some Facebook ads to a landing page. We tried a ton of stuff. But franchise websites. Franchise websites. Dozens of horrible. the, like, the leads didn't work. And yeah. we, tried, we, we spent a lot of money getting tons of leads. We had a salesman at one point who was you know, a New York guy and would just franchise sales was a thing. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the, I would say we had the kind of like the first wave where everybody was super nervous and they were like, ah, this is like, this feels so sketchy because it's not a franchise and I just don't know if I really want to do this. And then 60 days later, they're like, "Yeah!" Yeah, and and, and then, but like literally all those people who were super sketched out started making a ton of money. And suddenly they were like, hey, I have a brother. I have an (laughs) uncle. And he... That's the real secret sauce is the success, okay? Yeah, and then they would say like, you know, my mom really wants a business. And so so I'm like, next on the phone with her mom. And within, you know, a week, she's bought a territory and, it's funny because like, they used to have to talk to me and do this big lengthy Zoom call with all the systems. And the moment that all it was a referral and all of, like the referral would do all that for us. I didn't even have to talk to them. I'd wow. be like, who are they? Yeah. And Nick was like, oh, we just we just sold another one. And I was like, whoa. And it was like crazy because every, it was working. And so it snowballed and now we're sold out for, for US. Yeah. And so we're moving into international. And once we opened those gates, the same thing happened. Just started yeah. referrals, started being like, oh wait, you're selling international now? I want London, I want
2: Every, Manchester. Everyone like- wanted a piece, you know? And it was crazy. Like, uh, you know, I was in Hawaii for two months and in January, I'm in Hawaii and I, you know, I got the background, I got the koki frogs, I'm in the jungle and the birds and all the stuff. And here I am, I'm still like four, five, six hours a day. I love selling and I'm just <laughs> talking to these people and we got to this crazy frenzy. You know, I'll kind of just tell them how we wrapped up the United States is, we have this spreadsheet that basically had, you know, here's the wedding count for every area. Here's our purchase price. And here, here's what you'll be charging uh, for your photography and videography. Well, then I, they'd come to me and they'd say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in Chicago and I'm interested in New York City, right? They'd come up and, and then we'd start talking about some of the areas. And the list started at, you know, I think there were 60-some-odd territories. Yeah, We had like 60-some-odd territories and it gets down to 50 and then it gets down to 40 Honestly, once it down to turned down to 30, I I, we sold all of it in, in one wow. month. And so like, what? I, I kid you not, it was just a madhouse. My wife was like, I'd be on the phone with someone and she'd just be beating me up. She says, Hey, we're, you know, we, we just left lunch or we just left breakfast or something. She's like, you can't be doing another one. I said, honey, <coughs> he, he wants, he wants another territory. It's like, what can I say? It's a, and so it was crazy. Like that first sale was so hard. And then after that, we started closing two a week. And we started closing four a week, and then we started closing six a week. And then, literally, in the <laughs> last week, I think we did over a hundred thousand dollars in down payments. We had a guy who was like, "I want <laughs> fifteen areas." He's like, "I want what? them all. I want the
1: and list." He, he made it some <laughs> He just he just bought made like some crazy fundable. offer. He's just like, "I was like, I don't want them to be
2: gone. Like I I know that they're going so fast. Like I want them." And that was kind yeah. of the beauty of the
1: referral thing.
2: We like, weren't selling; they were coming to us, and they and, and so it was just kind of. It was mind blowing, you know, just to see how fast and how crazy it got, you know.
0: So, how many how many territories do you have right now in the, in the so U.S. I,
2: yeah, so in the United States, I think we just have over sixty, as uh, what we talked about the other day. They're um, big areas. I don't know. I don't know. You know the specifics of it. Some of them were like metropolitans, and some of them were like you know you have North Carolina, right? And so for us, we didn't want to deal with the ticky tacky piece of we're advertising these eight zip codes. And oh, my lead came in here, but it's for this territory. It's like, yo, it's Louisiana. It's Louisiana's, right? It's very black and white. And honestly, it just made it just made it easy. And most of the entrepreneurs were really happy with that. And you know, if, if I look globally, there is a lot of territories, right? States or provinces or whatever the case is, countries. And uh, honestly, there's there's still a lot of room to grow.
0: Okay. So you guys now have 60 licensees and I don't know about our listeners. Actually, I do know about our listeners. They're, they're going to be really curious about the numbers that you guys are pulling in here. I know I'm curious about the numbers. Could you talk to us a little bit about like what your financials look like for this business as of today? I know it's a relatively new business, but but as of today, what you're looking at?
2: Um, So I'll take a stab at it. So, you know, know, we have the royalties piece and the area paybacks piece. We'll kind of shelf that for a minute because that's an ever changing growing number. You know, in terms of like the actual growth and bringing on other entrepreneurs, you know, we were probably sitting, you know, for the United States, we're just under $500,000 in down payments. And then, you know, we have about three and a half million dollars in accounts receivable, which we're really excited about. And we just started selling uh, international and we've brought on about, I think $85,000 down and about, I think we're around 400 or 500 in uh, accounts receivable. So uh, as, as the territory, as we have less territories, you know, there's a finite number of English speaking countries, the price is always right raise. And, you know, so the first 20 deals that we did in the United States, were like, okay, let's get scrappy. And, and the prices were, you know, kind of made up numbers. And people were okay with them. And then as that list started to shrink down to the last 15, I mean, I was raising every day, I was raising the prices on down payments and accounts receivable. And so, you know, all in all, we're, we're just over $4 million in accounts receivable. And, you know, if you can do math, what is that? Almost $600,000 in, in down payments
1: yeah, and, and, in the space of four
2: <clears> months. And, yeah. Since we,
1: in September, you know, when he gave me that phone call saying, "Brandon, I have an idea that's been six months till now and you know 3.5 million dollars in accounts receivable has been awesome and what's cool about that is that those are all happy people those are people that are actually making money you know there's not exploitation going on or anything those are people who are actually humming their business is growing and they're thrilled and like the best thing when somebody's like dude I'm so happy my wife is so happy I was in this struggling business before and I ditched it and I'm here and I'm in it to win it let's go like that's that's been really really cool to see that like this model that i built and honestly like built during some really hard times i thought that this whole thing was going to crash i thought that it was just going to sink the ship and it was going to be terrible but we just kept pushing we kept trying we kept growing we kept innovating we did whatever we had to you know there was a period where i like like a period when tomo was humming before we did the licensing where i literally had to shoot weddings to survive because it got that bad and so you do what you got to do and to now see that in just six months, all these entrepreneurs are making money, growing their businesses, and you know, we're providing that training. It's it's been awesome.
3: Gentlemen, I've got to tell you, my mind is truly just blown right now. <laughs> I mean, right, four million dollars in revenue in less than half a year. We're talking four, five, six months tops. I, I don't even know what to say about that. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. I'm I've got to say though, I'm curious. What's next? You guys are fast. You're furious. You just, you run, you scrap together what you need to make happen. You figure stuff out and, and you just go. So what are you going to be doing next? I know there's got to be something on the horizon.
1: Go for it, dude. Yeah, no. So <laughs> we um, we hired, you know, I, I, I'm young. I'll be honest, I'm 25, right? And so I'm like, when this whole thing started <sighs> happening, I was like, Nick, God. I have no idea how to run a giant company like this. Um, but, I, but, you know, obviously I'm good at what I'm good at. And, and which is kind of building these systems. And so we actually hired a, a president who's a master of operations to come in and run the company for a percentage of the royalties. So I, we said, listen, man, if you are awesome, your pay is going to explode. You know, like, this is gonna be huge for you and you have to help these, these businesses grow in order for you, you know, and your own personal finances to grow. And that was a really awesome deal that we made. So we'll work with him in and, and more of an advisory you know, kind of, kind of point. But you know, Nick and I at this point are kind of like we're, we're we're wanting to move on to well, well, first part. We have some big projects we're working on with Toma Media to continue to improve it, adding in some DJs, some florals, upsells. Some, some upsells, some upsell. That's kind of a big piece that we're working on here, and so we're we're trying to build that so that you know Toma Media areas can just have more and more revenue. But we're moving on to some other stuff. Uh, you know, we have a YouTube channel we just started together about some of this stuff, you know, it's called the hobo entrepreneur, whatever we want to that hair, you know? And so, um,
2: what <laughs> was the hair jokes?
1: I know so it's always the hair jokes. We, we want to k- keep helping people. Right. And so, so we're, we're actually, te- we're in the midst of beta testing, some different services that we could turn into a similar licensing thing. Cause we're all about helping entrepreneurs change their lives, make more money. If we're not providing value for them, then we don't want to do it, you know? And so we're, we're testing out different things that other entrepreneurs could then license and go make a lot of money with in the future because um, that's what we love to see. So that's that's kind of where we're at right now is we're beta testing these different these different services. What can fit the model? What can use a similar thing? And what can we just run with to get people making money?
0: That's fantastic, awesome guys. This has been absolutely fantastic and and really enlightening. Because I'll be honest, we think about franchising a lot when we talk about growing our business. We think about the adding more corporate owned stores, but very rarely do businesses think about licensing their brand, licensing their technology. And you guys really, you figured out how to do that, not just successfully, but very quickly as well. So absolutely kudos to you guys. That's awesome. Oh, and thank and, and you. this was yeah. great. We're getting to that point in the show where we want to do the final segment that we call the four more, where we ask our guests four questions, same four questions to all our guests, and then give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit more about where our listeners can connect with you. Sound good? Let's do it. Fantastic. I want to let both of you guys take all four questions. So question number one, what was your first or your worst job ever? And what did you take from it?
2: You go first every time.
1: (laughs) I worked at China Walk. Uh, I was a server. I don't really know because I couldn't really understand half of what was said, (laughs) but um, I was a server. And I got thrown up on a few times, and I, I would say it was <laughs> it was my first and, and, worst, your worst job. and my worst job.
0: <laughs> that, that doesn't say much for the restaurant when, uh, when when your servers are getting thrown up on. Hmm. I don't even know about <laughs> I don't even know what I was. What about
2: you? Um, I w- I had a I was I was like seven and eight, and I had a a paper out, and this was back in the day where you get on the bike and you had the vest and you had all the papers. You know, I folded the papers and I'd ride my bike. And I remember one day this is my first job. It wasn't my worst job. I loved it actually. But I remember, I remember one day and it was just raining like crazy on me and I was crying and I was peddling at eight, <laughs> eight nine years old. I had this paper out for like three, four years. And then eventually, you know, it got to a point where, you know, growing up until I was 17, 18, I, I did this throughout. And my dad, I would fold thousands of papers and uh, we'd load them up into the white van. We would drive with the door open. I'd be sitting in the back. And he would just drive like 10 miles an hour. I just be like, I just keep throwing them. And all I remember is my dad paid me 50 bucks once a week. And I was like, yeah. And, um, and I always got a Whopper at the end. So, like, I was, <laughs>
3: it was like, bonus. it was awesome.
2: I love Who needs $50, dude? 50, 50
1: Brian, just sign me up. Oh, yeah.
3: That is outstanding. <laughs> okay. What would each of you say was the defining moment when you realized that you had the entrepreneurial itch? <laughs>
1: So for DVD. me, in, yeah, in high school, I started a, a company where I could convert VHS to DVD. It's funny now, DVDs are obsolete. But that was like a pretty big thing. And I, I would make 10 bucks a VHS. And I literally, you plug it in, click a button, and you wait for the VHS to be done playing. And then you that, that's it. That's 10 bucks. And I remember I was playing video games. And I was sitting there in my pajamas. What? Wait, what video game? What video game? Skyrim. Well, I was you know playing Skyrim. Okay. I was sitting there. <laughs> And my PJs, and I was like, I just made like 30 bucks to play video games because one of the, you know. You just you played know, video games yeah, for three yeah, hours. There, was, there was three tapes in a row that were like 30 minutes each. And I was like, I just made 30 bucks in an hour and a half. And I have been sitting in my PJs playing video games. And I said, I want to keep doing this. <laughs> there, there, there's got to be ways to provide value to people that they're willing to pay for that can afford me some freedom to play stupid video yeah. games or whatever. That is
0: outstanding. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> glad video games gave you the entrepreneurial itch because I think for a lot of us, Playing video games and making thirty dollars would take all motivation away. I can make ten bucks an hour playing video <laughs> games. Why do anything oh, yeah. else?
2: Oh, oh yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I think for me, so for me, it was kind of like out of necessity. You know, I, I newly married, listening to Bigger Pockets uh, real estate podcast, and I was twenty two. This was uh, oh, this was almost eleven years ago, and um, dropped out of college, bought a house at house hacking before it was coined house hacking, and the mortgage was pretty much paid for. But I was still like in this, my wife and I both just got laid. I quit for a really crappy like life insurance sales job. And I, I was terrible at it. And my wife got laid off. And here we, and I quit the, the life insurance sales because I was no good at it. And here we were, we had this house we're like, sweet, the house is covered. But like, how do we pay? Like, how do we survive? And, you know, I started posting these these ads on, on Craigslist saying like, hey, I'll build you a website for 500 bucks. I think the first one was like 250, 300 bucks. And I started getting these phone calls. I'm like, yeah, of course I've been doing, I know what I'm doing. And I, you know, 250 bucks, 300 bucks, 500 bucks, thousand bucks. And I started doing these and, you know, over the course of a few few years, I did, you know, 500 websites. And even to this day, I still get referrals and I like don't want to do it anymore. And I outsource it all. But uh, for me, it was kind of like out of necessity. You know, I wanted, I wanted food on the table. I remember my, my wife's family, we didn't have a stove in our new house and like we couldn't cook food. And like, I got so much flack from my in-laws, like, oh, is he going to you know, provide? And I was like, oh, I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> and 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 that's when I started just doing this website stuff and just kind of hustling. I'm going to throw in a 20-second story about Nick, too. Oh,
1: During this hustling period, he got a salary job that was like a work from home, <laughs> hired some overseas dude to do it for 10% of his salary, and then... That was it. It, was, uh, this <laughs> it took them like two this, years this, to this find
2: out. This is my first big boy job. <laughs> In incredible. Fact, it, it was it was my first big boy job. This is what I call my big boy job. And you know, for being a you know a, a no-college type situation and just having experience alone, you know, going and getting a big boy job, getting a salary, getting the PTO and all that stuff. And, you know, I started I, I was still closing my own business stuff and I was like, this is awesome. And they're thrilled because we're doing a great job over there. So I felt like there wasn't any conflict of interest, and then I, I did I outsourced it, and and honestly the work got better and and I got raises, you know. So anyway, it was good. Awesome, awesome. I'm not sure what you're gonna do. Yeah, about, the, but. You, you can cut that.
3: <laughs> okay. Are you kidding me? That is platinum. <laughs> there, there are no words. That's incredibly awesome. You know
0: what I love? I love the fact that I found you guys. We've never talked about real estate. We've never talked about bigger pockets, and yet. Nick was listening to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate podcast, so episode <laughs> yeah. one, baby. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Okay, question number three. I'll keep this short and simple. Favorite book, and you've already mentioned the E Myth, so it doesn't have to be a business book. But if it's a great it's, business, there's book, a better one. Great
1: for me, for me it's the Millionaire Fastlane. Millionaire
2: Fastlane.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> the same for
1: us. We
2: love it.
0: MJ DeMarco.
2: It's it's the Bible, the yep. Jay Bible. DeMarco is the man.
0: Yeah. Awesome, excellent. So both of you, you, we don't want to get a second book. Your nope, That's you're, literally I mean, I think the that's best the book. one. Okay. That, I,
2: my wife likes to make fun of me in terms of like business books. I love reading like tax tax books, books on taxes, how you save on taxes and stuff like that. And she's like, who are you? You know, <laughs> so you know, there's a category that's like in second or third place. It's taxes.
1: I I, I always say I have two Bibles, you know, Bible, like business Bibles. My first is is the millionaire fast lane. And the second one is actually a book called Brainstorm. It's Disney publishes it. It's by uh, Don Hahn, I think is his name. And he he was a producer of the original 1994 Lion King. And it's literally just a book about how to bring creativity into your life. And it's been a game
0: changer. Awesome. I know if I got you to talk long enough, you'd give us a second one. That's right. (laughs) There you go.
3: And Jay, I have to ask this. I know I usually go into my fourth question, but there's a th- on the third question we kind of changed it up. I really want to hear from these two cuz there have been so many great nuggets. I want to sneak it's going to be it's going to be the <laughs> the five more, sorry, but I would love to hear from each of you or at least one of you the best piece of advice you have for small business owners that you haven't yet mentioned? Because you guys took such a different path. It sounds like from the beginning, you just figured it out. You didn't have a plan. You were just like winging it, figuring it out. So I would love to hear each of your, at least one of your best piece of advice that you haven't given us yet. You
2: You
1: got got one? one. Okay. So for me, I was, I'll try to keep it brief. I was always terrified because when you start a business, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to do a lot of things wrong. You're not going to do your taxes right, maybe. Or you're not going to, you know, you're, or, or you're going to, uh, I don't know, you're to, you might break a law on accident or whatever. And there's a million reasons why people are like, be really careful, be really careful. Like, it's not worth the risk to, to try it. And um, I was talking to my CPA like two weeks ago. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry that my books were just a mess from 2019. And he said, you did it right. He said, at the end of the day, the most important thing you can do is figure out how to provide value to others and how to be profitable. And he's like, if your first year is just spent being scrappy and figuring it out to get the money, so that you can pay professionals, you know, to to take care of you and all that stuff, then you know it's okay. So I would say, don't worry, right? Like, don't don't be so paralyzed by the million big boogeyman things that could go wrong, because at the end of the day, if all you're trying to do is create value for people, get there first and then tie up tie up all your little. Now, I I had this is the first year that I've ever had a lawyer. And it's been you know years of doing this, and so it's like you you don't need to you don't need to be scared of all those things. Like, just try your best, do your best to you know do what you can, and and stay within the regulations and stuff. But man, just try to figure out how to be valuable and and profitable, and then um, don't be don't let all of those big maybe's scare you away.
3: Outstanding. I'm not
2: saying to break the law. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Little clarification. Yeah, thing. no, I'm just, yeah.
2: that's not what I'm saying. I, I think for me, it comes down to like. What's the difference between a hobby and a business, right? And this, the digital marketer will come out here for a second. So for me, a hobby is what can be confused as a business, and you're doing the right things, you're in the motions, and you're, you're acquiring customers, all this stuff. But a business actually comes down to one metric. If there's one metric, it's cost per acquisition. And so, me as a digital marketer, you know, I've done this in e-commerce for a long, long time, and it's the exact same thing. Um, with Tolman Media. And in fact, this is why we, we sold so fast. Cost per acquisition. And so if you understand this one metric, and by the way, cost per acquisition is is how much do you have to spend to acquire your customer? Well, if I know that I can spend X dollars to get more revenue, I've created a, an ATM. And it's no wonder on if you like watch Shark Tank, you know, Kevin O'Leary's always like, Hey, you know, what does it cost you to acquire your customer? And nine out of ten of them don't know the answer. And that's just you know, the whole, the cold, hard truth. And, and so like in Toma media, we know that we can spend a certain dollar amount for $1,800. And honestly, if you can figure out that ratio, you, that's a, that's a business in my mind. And, you know, I like, I, you know, I like to razz on like family members and stuff and other people, like they have these really great businesses, but they, they're lacking this element of control. And if you can, and if you can honestly, figure out what that number is, and you can constantly buy customers, you have a businessman.
3: Phenomenal. See, I'm glad I stuck that extra one in there. Worth every last second. That was outstanding. Okay, here is the real last question now. I would love to hear from each of you. What is something in your personal life, your work life, whatever, wherever, that you've splurged on along the way that was totally and entirely worth it? So uh,
2: my name is Brendan Tolman, and I'm going to answer for my friend here. (laughs) He's going to get it right. And, uh, you know, I just... There's this company that I love. They, they make these electric cars. I can't remember what they're called. Um, but, you know, I have, like, six on, on like, pre-order. He loves his Tesla. What, what are you actually going to no, say? No, no, that was it. Okay. So Absolutely. He loves his
1: Tesla. Absolutely. Tesla has Tesla. been the thing that, um, <laughs> like, like, it's, it's like, one of the only things I've ever bought in my life that I do not have buyer's remorse for. I it's It's been the splurred. I mean, I mean, you know, it's... A crazy splurge, but
2: it has been unbelievable, life-changing, game-changing for a lot of reasons. Literally life-changing because he can form an LLC while on the freeway, don't say that. and he's not doing anything. <laughs> and He's like, I
1: can. Know. I'm not saying I did, but can. <laughs> Off the record, <laughs>
2: can um, <laughs> possible too. <laughs> you know, I'm a pretty frugal guy. I don't know, like I, I don't, uh, I don't buy a lot of stuff for myself. Like I don't generally like to do that type of thing. Um, I love buying real estate and that type of stuff. You know, for me, I love. You know, I, I took my wife and family on a two-month vacation, vacation where I was still selling uh, January and February this year uh, to Hawaii. And for me, that wasn't like even a splurge because a lot of it was still business. We were looking at real estate out there, and and uh, you know, I was still on you know conducting business. So for me, like travel, I'll never, I never feel guilty about. And in most cases, because of the nature of our business, I can you can usually take it as a deduction so long as I have proper documentation and stuff
0: super cool! awesome guys love it thank you so much okay let's jump to the more part of the four more and this is where you tell our listeners a little bit more where they can get in touch with you where they can find out more about you where they can find out more about Toma media and what you guys are doing okay hey, yeah away. pitch away sure
1: so so if you want to hear more specifically about Media, you can just email me at brennan at tolmanmedia.com um you know and i'll, and I'll respond to you there um you know, we, we have a joint YouTube channel called the Hobo Entrepreneur. We mentioned that. So you can find that on there where we talk more about licensing and I, I may or may not have thrown five Tesla videos on there. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, Hobo Entrepreneur is, is the YouTube channel where you can kind of
2: reach us. We just give around and have a lot of fun and, and then we we do a lot of entrepreneurial stuff too. And we're,
1: and we're happy to answer, you know, questions or, or give some guidance and stuff because it's all about helping each other, giving back. I mean, we're all, all entrepreneurs are in this together. So
0: awesome fantastic. And all of those links will be in the show notes for anybody that wants to find out more. Gentlemen, this was fantastic. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to checking back in a year or two and hey, seeing- Absolutely. S- we love it. Hearing about- World domination. He- yes. Me hearing me about too, the honey. international business.
1: Do this again. Yeah. Thank you guys awesome. so much. It's been a pleasure to be thank thank here. Thank so you. Guys. It's been wonderful thank speaking you with yeah. you.
3: Have a good one. Me too. Seriously, Jay, how awesome was that episode? I really just loved that they saw this potential to expand their business in a kind of non-traditional way, and they were they were really baking flexibility into their business model every step of the way. I think it served them really well, and it truly opened my eyes to a way to expand quickly and exponentially. So, major kudos to these guys. I learned a ton.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know we're all familiar with the idea of expanding corporate-owned locations. Uh, after talking with Lars Spalding a couple of weeks ago, we we learned all about franchising. Um, but this was really a whole new model that I'd never considered. This whole idea of licensing, and I also love how they they built that online marketplace. Basically, they're just figuring out how to take this core business, this wedding photography business and explode it in ways that have nothing to do with wedding photography. So just very creative, very clever and, and love it. I also love the, um, the, the quote that they gave towards the end. Don't let those big maybes get in the way essentially saying your business doesn't have to be perfect. Everything doesn't have to be perfect to keep plowing forward. So just get things good enough that things are working, keep moving forward. Don't let, uh, don't let non-perfection stop you from continuing to move forward. So great episode. I don't know about you, but I think we're done for this week. Let's wrap it up. Yes. Everybody have a wonderful week. Again, stay safe, stay healthy. And we look forward to seeing you back here or hearing you back here again next week. So she's Carol. I'm Jay. Now, don't let
3: those potential risks scare you today. Just get out there and do it. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everyone. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.